occasions the Buddha giving his uh, brief teaching that uh, one doesn't get to the end of struggling, suffering and stress till one gets to the end of the world and one doesn't get to the end of the world by travelling but uh, by penetrating this very body its consciousness and perceptions in this very body this consciousness and perceptions is the beginning of the world um, the ending of the world and the way leading to the ending of the world <coughs> so it's um, a pithy um, teaching uh, we can re- recollect that, that uh, uh, of course, you know, when you kind of carve a body up, you don't see any world inside there. So it's not talking literally about the, you know, sort of sort of the physical aspect of it, but a very uh, embodiment experience. Um, kind of the consciousness that is rooted in the body is always connected to the body through the, through the nervous system. And this, this consciousness which is embodied um, is that which, through its, you know, its reactions and reverberations and imprints and drives and all that, presents the experience of a world out there which we can see, having eyes in our head, um, think about, and having uh, somebody itself in here which is a little more difficult to locate there's a general sense of being somebody in here there's an in here and out there that get created or generated by <coughs> his embodied consciousness and you realise it's, it's a, a way in which uh, the, uh, the sense of a self and sense of a world you know, these kind of very fundamental um, presentations or physical survival. Mm. You have to present, we have in a way that that creation of the sense of an inner self as a, as a continuing, ongoing entity is something that that very you know gives us a sense of protecting, keeping it going, um, you know, looking after it and all that. If you didn't have that, then. Uh, Know, then those particular systems wouldn't have some haven't have a real triggering to them. So it's this very sense of having a self is a something that helps to, you know, pr- protect the physical form and the awareness of a world around us. Um, in the sense of we learn what to do in order to make our lives and this bodily life as you know, as happy as possible, you know, aware of death and uh, pain and disease and enemies and pleasure and things like that. So we're geared in that way. This is the way the system works. But, but of course, both of these things are really, although we could say there's definitely a physical form here and there are definitely, you know, there are, there are other objects around. 
the whole sense of it you know how we sense that Mm. particularly ourself it's not just a kind of neutral thing it's a highly charged um, you know deeply deeply concerned you know with it very involved with it Um, there's a whole kind of inner life there that we keep going with it and a world that is not just that which is manifesting right now but a world that's imagined possibilities, what it could be, what it might offer where I could go tomorrow, today, yesterday what's around the corner and all that this tremendous kind of proliferation around these very primary um, realities that get generated so this is where we get a lot of suffering around that trying to to fit me into a world both those things are um, you know proliferating the me isn't really as constant it seems to be continually changing its mind and its moods and feelings Um, and yet it's a continual sense of having one and the world is not constant either continually changing its its sensations and sense objects and so forth and yet though it's not constant it's a constant sense of having a world out there that we've got to deal with so we've got two we're in this kind of continual predicament which is always of two shifting and vibrating entities trying to make them meet right, so we're trying to do a waltz with a with a drunken bear you know <laughs> where the, the orchestra keeps changing time <laughs> know how to do it you know. so there's a lot of just unsettledness about it you know so the suffering may sometimes be absolutely dire but a lot of the time it's not really dire it's just the vague you know, sense of not quite what to do next don't feel right here how's that and I've got to remember this and figure that out and that could happen and so on it's kind of insecurity anxiety worry restlessness doubt and then sometimes you know when what, what, what am I here for? You know, the, the more evolved questions that come out of taking this sense of self as a real thing, rather than a, a sense that this kind of hovers around the bodily experience, it becomes a, a real thing, you know, and starts to disembody altogether. It becomes so so really it requires autonomy. So what happens to it when I die? You know, it's almost not you know this uh, sort of illogical statement you know when I die what happens to me well you die <laughs> but then what well you just <laughs> you know, where do I go when I die well, you just did it <laughs> you died that was it but what's how we can't well there's something more than that you know because I'm I'm separate from all this stuff you know, you see bodies rot away and fall apart, but I'm separate from it. Um, and so uh, quite a lot of the time <coughs> that, that sense, that autonomous sense um, is pulling us out of bodily life, bodily awareness, present moment here and now, out of this rather uh, uncomfortable position into daydreams, imaginations, um, sometimes not very pleasant ones actually miserable um, hungry desperate um, uh, mental states of I am this and nobody likes me or I don't fit here or I'm not like that or I, when will I ever be like this or and all the permutations we can get over myself <coughs> well, mm. this is the conceit or the conceiving of self mm. and then there are the various um, views that we can take about what should happen so that things go my way mm. yeah. Yeah. things that so that you get this kind of slightly less autonomous but um, self sense you know things should be this way for me 
people should be this way for me life should be this way for me I don't like it being that way it should be another way these views and then the uh, more primary than that sense of I've got something I should have something you know the desire to have and, and hold and belong to so these particular energies um, you know, coming out of the out of this experience of being embodied, being born, being alive, and continually uh, generating uh, suffering, a sense of self at uh, odds with the world. You know, when we we meditate, we begin to recognize how difficult it is to check these patterns and how to when we come down to the you know, fundamental quality behind all this is this pull out from being embodied here being in the present here just just this you know, feeling sensations feeling particular energies low energies, high energies um, sensual pulls and pushes emotive states where you get kind of sorts of tr- signals and triggers being uh, charged in the body it's just getting excited or depressed or frightened mm. and then the cerebral stuff where you're trying to figure out what's going on and how this all this stuff sensual pull to have some particular sense object or to get away from it when, it's, when, it's, it's, uh, when you meditate you begin to recognize these all these these different kinds of pulls and pushes that are taking away from basic sense of being here you know, being embodied actually occupying a specific place you know, which is not one's own we're here with it and yet we don't we don't own it in this present place where we are things happen that we haven't asked to happen <laughs> you know, uh, we're vulnerable it's um, it's precarious and uh, you know this is the the kind of sabhava dukkha or the primary suffering of being being here uh, and actually the path out of it is to really understand and to penetrate this this experience because <coughs> the whole Buddhist approach is that through through we don't really get the whole picture of what's going on because of these restless energies so we don't really settle in deeply and find within all this this apparent um, precarious um, mishap <laughs> of being born within all this there is uh, you know, a path out or a place that's not this or Nibbana or the deathless and the Buddha saying of all all uh, um, all skillful states emerge in the body and the one who dwells mindful of the body is someone who, who is aware of uh, the deathless there's no appreciation, no realisation of this secure, peaceful free state without fully penetrating uh, and being fully attentive to and mindful of the body <coughs> so we have to kind of enter into this and we can recognise as meditators how some of the, the um, prime, you know, difficulties we experience uh, which seem to be at first you wouldn't think they'd be that, that tricky, really. Like, first of all, it doesn't be very, very important to be with your body. More important things to be doing, you know, or necessary, urgent, interesting, mind-blowing things to be doing. The being here, not really, not very important. What kinds of projects I'll be getting on with right now. So we think, oh well, you know, that, that shouldn't be too difficult. I could just say, well, forget about that for the time being just give yourself half an hour 
and sit in your body, that's be, you know, you can get back to that later. Five seconds. I should be Well, that doesn't really matter right now. I can do that tomorrow and after all I'll just be here with the body you know, five seconds. You know, ten minutes later, well I better get up and deal with that. Then I'll sit down and calm down again. <laughs> and, and of course it doesn't actually happen like that because so, that, that uh, the energy of uh, the, um, you know, uh, that takes us out you know, is so so well is so advanced so well primed uh, and the you know the world is set up to to provide those kinds of triggers of what's more interesting or necessary than being just here in this body. Not and then again it's not uh, not interesting, it's also it's um it's not enjoyable and painful. It hurts. It takes effort holding anything up. You know, feel how sensate, you know, the, just the pain in the legs, pain in the back, and all kinds of twinges and things going on. You know, one wasn't aware of, one was watching telly or doing something else. Suddenly it seems an incredibly prickly thing. Even when you haven't got coarse physical sensation, sometimes you get these senses of being just incredibly prickly and itchy and twitchy and, and fidgety going through the body. It doesn't seem an enjoyable experience. It's not interesting, it's not enjoyable. Mm. Doesn't seem to be much point in it. So these are, are things that um, are really representations of that that these what are called outflows, which are the energies that push us out, us or out of being here. And although they may take trivial forms, you think, oh, I just need to take the washing in, or milk the cow, or strangle the cat, or something. Um, it actually, there's any big big problem with that. It's just a little thing I've got to do, and. And then, well actually it's just another little thing I've got to do, and well, another little, oh there's going another day gone. <laughs> Where'd that go? Well tomorrow, I'll be alright, because I've done all these things today, I've sorted it all out, tomorrow I'll be able to settle down. But just this one little thing i better sort out before, and then, oh it reminds me of this, and <laughs> there's another day gone. <laughs> so, so though it can sometimes seem quite the victory events seem so trivial, they don't seem to be anything that's, that's kind of like the you know, massive forces of evil, you know, like you know, one isn't overwhelmed with, with uh, necessarily huge evil desires, it's just continual restless shifting of things that would be better to do, or, or even in terms of meditation, it would be more comfortable if I did it at this time, or that time, or this place, or that place. I won't do it here and now, I'll do it there and then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it's better, it'd be better there and then than here and now. <laughs> when I feel more rested, that's it. Yeah, it's more rested or a different temperature or different environment, that, yeah, well, it'd be better mm. there and then. But then we get to there and then, funnily enough, well, it, oh, it's not quite. Yeah, because there's that thing happening and over there will be a bit better perhaps at another time <laughs> so one can actually travel and people do travel all around the planet on this particular energy <laughs> looking for the perfect place to meditate And it always it seems both very convincing and also no no big deal. It seems quite you know. so. The, these these uh, outflows are often veiled under a feeling of norm normality or 
appropriate or convenient or well, it's my right you know, I've got free choice for these kinds of things things that we feel are misused they're associated, but they're always associated with a sense of of myself. Mm. So one of the primary ways in which we practice is to to challenge that assumption of an autonomous self. See, well, right now, in this particular moment, wherever one is, in this particular moment. What is it that's stopping me being here? I just just asking that question. What is it stopping me being with this at this particular moment? Yeah. And you think, well, it's not interest. It's not useful. It's not spiritual. It's not you know, refined. It's not you know. It always comes down. It's not what I want, or <laughs> not the way it should be, or it doesn't you know. It doesn't amplify my sense of self. Something that seems pointless or um, trivial or you know not in line, uh, and then saying, "Well, actually, you know, apart from yes, yes, of course, but apart from all that, <laughs> apart from all that, about how it's not interesting and no point to it and not getting anywhere and da 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 da, it's not you know, apart from all that stuff." What's now? Now, what could one be? What's wrong with it? And you can begin to feel this kind of maybe it's a resistance, a restless, pushy, itchy feeling of discomfort. Now we're getting something that's perhaps a little more kind of you're getting underneath the asava, so it's starting to reveal itself as the, we come up with things like a sort of feeling of ill at ease or fear or loneliness or um, needing to have something to to touch or hold or be with something that contains us we feel a bit um, you know unconnected we, feel we need to be grounded we need to so you get into some things that are slightly less to do with what I understand myself to be but much more primary I, you know, I'm not settled here. I'm not connecting to it. Actually, though these can be the the sense of distress can be more poignant with that. We begin to feel it perhaps in a more bodily sense. You know, and then we recognise, oh, my body's quite tense. I'm sort of quite tense in my body. You know, or I'm not in my body at all. And then the you know, practice just coming into the body, you know, relaxing the tension, just bringing one's body in the present moment in a bodily sense, breathing in, breathing out, standing, sitting, walking. It's all right here. You know, come back, come back in. It's all right here. Sometimes these these um, this disembodiment experience is more powerful than that, mm. and, but we begin to recognise uh, that it's really not something out there that's bothering me. It's something, you know, in in this bodily experience. Um, there's a kind of an imbo- uh, sort of an embedded sense of of fear or nervousness or inadequacy or an embedded sense of longing to hold something or have something so we're restlessly trying to find out something to get into you know it could be a book or it could be pictures or it could be music or it could be a conversation something to really get into to feel solid you know And, and it may express itself in different ways but that (coughs) is like there's almost like um a sense of loss of loss of real connection, which we seek to um, allay by connecting to exter- things, you know, external things. 
like we seem to have lost real a real sense of connection in our own physical form and instead we try to get a sense of connection by well, talk to somebody you know feeling a bit you know restless or agile and talk to somebody or read something or listen to something or touch something or eat something now yeah then I'm okay again I feel right I'm grounded again so um, you know this is the what the one one of the ways that the the disembodiment experience which actually we takes us into seeking um, steadiness and stability outside you get pulled out to the senses or we may just go up into our thinking processes and dwell in there you know, musing thinking so um, certainly when one one sits and meditates then this is uh, like the most basic um, thing that happens isn't it we just go out into thinking or instead of conceptual thinking but memories and moods thoughts um, and it certainly emotional washes to them, enjoyable, pleasant, worrying, uh, painful, guilty, in- irritating, enraging, how dare they, and, you know, or plans and so forth. There's a lot of, quite a lot of emotional colour in it. And sort of, you go into this whole realm. Which is interesting. Um, But eventually, one recognises that really, though the 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 apparent experience of being embodied is not very interesting or enjoyable or purposeful, actually, the experience of being disembodied is not enjoyable or interesting or purposeful either. <laughs> you know, it's got a little more dimension to it. But eventually, you get bored with this and fed up with that, and you've had enough of this and. And the amount of um, entanglement that can come through continually losing yourself and getting out onto other objects and people and situations, um, getting strung out. It's so um, disempowering that it becomes uh, equally fraught with pain, uh, with confusion, with regret. as as the kind of physical discomfort that being in the body can experience. In fact, it's, it's a lot more complex. So we don't get out of pain through through leaving our bodies. Mm. So we can change. We seem to be able to go through different kinds of it. But so it doesn't actually work. And one has to in a way in, in developing the practice be prepared to um, uh, go through the, the, the boring and the uncomfortable experiences and the pointless experiences And this is done really by, instead of spinning out on them, actually feeling them and then taking them back into the into the body, like just the body being sitting here. And then, well, what actually is the sense of um, discomfort or restlessness or irritation? Particular sensations are occurring. What is the sense of uh, what's pushing one out? being able to feel it in actually just as bodily energy, bodily vibrations, and bodily energies moving, you know, certain flushes in the head or stirring in the, in the stomach, pulses beating, you know, different ways in which the physiology responds to, to these things. The, the throb of sensation and the resistance to it. 
but actually um, it's not Im- not that important to to just stoically um, you know hold out against physical pain so much as to to in, in the core sense of it but to go into the 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 more s- the overall sense of of um, you know the, the the tedium, or if you like, you know, just being plodding up and down, which isn't particularly painful, but it gets boring. You know, or when the body isn't you know sitting and nothing much to do, everyone tries to sit in a way that's actually fairly comfortable and balanced. You know, the idea is not to necessarily generate cause physical pain but to, to alleviate it so we can just get down to the the more the discomfort of being embodied of being here and nothing to get hold of nothing to do uh, nothing we can have uh, now sensitivities when we experience those those uh, those senses proliferate your mind starts to resist and proliferate around all that this is called the the quality of mental sensitivity or chitta it it continually proliferates and vibrates around all that but when you get to so you're trying to experience the bodily in a tonal way experiencing it through sensitivity but not just taking that sensitivity and letting it go into these emotional drives, emotionally powered drives, or conceptual drives, or sensual drives, into outflow drives, but just purely as as the sensitivity, the trembling of of sensitivity, you know, and recognize that's what that's what it does. You know? We go up, we go down. We feel low, we feel high or overcharged, you feel undercharged. Um, it's like that. That's what it is to be. That's the sensitivity experience. We don't have to translate that into agitation and depression, you know, or restlessness and desire. It can be just that, the particular energy of of the mind at any any moment. And this is this is where attention is required. The attention, <coughs> mental. <coughs> activity of just knowing something. You know. So attention is neutral, if you like. It just defines the thing. It's this. It's this. It's this. It doesn't have the same function as sensitivity. Sensitivity is giving you a, a tonal message that, that triggers off responses. Attention is just giving you a kind of neutral portrayal. Well, this it feels like this. It's this. It's this. It's this. And this is the, um, these two together are what we use when we meditate. We are feeling out the sensitivity of what's going on. So instead of it, we're getting right to the root of where the outflows begin. And by getting to the, to the source of them, uh, then we're not caught in the various creations that they, they generate or the thoughts and the tendencies and the way the world is or the way I am or whatever we just feel oh this is this is the restless or this is the busy this is the highly energized this is the contracted this is the um, unwilling whatever it may feel like and noticing knowing it just as that and feeling it out like you're feeling out uh, you know, a particular something with your fingers, just holding it, rolling it around. And this requires a lot of practice and a lot of ability to to make attention the important thing. And we begin to when we when we get to the source of these things, then we realise all these seemingly insignificant. Um, thoughts and ideas and whatever actually are coming from a very significant source the source of suffering these outflow energies and then we're able to when we begin to more fully understand that 
and you, you recognize you can trace them back to uh, a place where you can feel the more primary senses of dis-ease or, or awkwardness or uh, and you, you, this is important stuff to be dealing with this, this <coughs> tremendous desire or push to not be here is actually very very important thing, however it manifests however justifiably it is because uh, all the, the mind makes up the justifications for that sometimes it's true sometimes it is very difficult to be here sometimes it is actually physically threatening a lot of the time it's not it's just that we that our mind our outflows make it that way But when they're generated in, in and they're generated at this place in the jitta, the big um, drawback is this this place of jitta is the place that generates the sense of self. So it's all taken very very personally, very intimately, with the same kind of intensity and urgency and importance that the sense of self gives the thing. It's not just taken as oh that's just a tremble in in some you know function of consciousness. It's happening to me. You know, with my life and my what I need and what I don't want, and all this gets very highlighted. So this is the big obstacle of of uh, contemplating chitta: is everything's taken as happening to me, rather than happening to a particular function of consciousness, you know, or even that the, the function of consciousness is producing the thing that's happening. We always think the thing is happening to me, rather than this very consciousness itself is producing the thing that it seems to be trying to get away from. <laughs> now, and you can get this, um, somebody was talking yesterday about uh, a relative who had um, schizof- some schizophrenic experiences and well, this, this person then, then really were, you know, extraterrestrials chasing her around and demons and so forth and they were, they were real. You know, as real as, as um, you know, anything that so-called normal people might be chased around by income tax inspectors, inspectors, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, all the things that get us going. You know, and there is. Um, needs to be fears of being left out. Fears uh, of not belonging, fears of being considered less, and that gets us going, doesn't it? You know, a group or a family or relationships, the fear thing, or the feeling there's something great happening out there that I'm missing out on, I've got to do, and it's happening just the other side of somewhere else. And we believe all that, and yet we laugh at somebody who has things of extraterrestrials. These things are extraterrestrials. <laughs> Just most of us have got more convincing ways of explaining them. These are all disembodied. Um, where are they? You know? And yet they, they have the power to, to move us and push us around. You know, you, you're cowed and fearful of what you what one imagines other people are thinking about me. You know, as if everybody else in the in the world is just concerned with thinking about me. <laughs> As soon as I walk into the room, you know, all action stops and we start thinking about me. Actually, you know, if you know, does, is that what you do? You know? Or mostly everybody's thinking about themselves. <laughs> Wondering other people thinking about me. <laughs> so that, that, you know, these, these extraterrestrials that, we, that these, out, these outflow energies create, yeah. And they're coming. We come back to basic patterns like the sense of of uncertainty, fearfulness, um, the wish to have and to hold, the wish to be safe and secure, the wish for warmth, you know, comfort, nourishment. Mm. They're very very basic things. 
and recognizing, yeah, these these are powerful inclinations. Now, you know, we're not getting it. It's not happening. We we you know, in that disembodied extraterrestrial st- state, we don't we don't find an answer to these things. This is this is what the, called the world is the arising of these particular drives. It's called the world because it takes us out into the world. And the Buddha once said it's called the world because it gets whirled around by it. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like that. Uh, and never getting to the end of it. Now if we can actually come back to this very place where it arises, the arising of the world, which arises in, in citta, in this mental sensitivity, or mental but consciousness sensitivity, and acknowledge, you know, sensitivity means there's fearfulness, there's there's also joyfulness, you know, there's pleasant sensitivities and unpleasant sensitivities, there are alarm, some of them are anxiety, some of them are comfort, some of them are enjoyable, all kinds of different sensitivities there. That's just what, you know, that's what we have. And that thing is just trembling all the time. But the more fully you, we, and our attention tends to be skipping away from that, the precarious quality of all that. Our attention it goes out and we try to find something to lock into you know, that will be steady, comfortable, secure, and so on, rather than go back to that awkward place. So because of that, this, this sense of attention continually moving out means that that, that that uncomfortable place never really gets the kind of quality attention that, that actually is its resolution. That if we ever really fully deeply attended, you know, instead of trying to get out, we've got in fully, completely. There would be the connection that something else wants. We're connecting to us to ourselves. To our own system is starting to connect to itself rather than pull itself apart. There would be the possibility of comfort because we have a, we can put, we can bring our attention and uh, qualities of calming, steadying, <coughs> stabilizing, gladdening, right onto the place where it hurts. So this is what we do with directed attention. So in, in meditation you develop these particular processes, both the sensitizing and then being able to scan you know, the whole quality of sensitivity, what's really going on when I'm thinking about so and so and so and so and tomorrow, ah, it's restlessness or it's worry or it's, um, you know, I'm not content with being here. Okay, fine, you know. Now it's not even an I am, it's just that particular thing happening. Now can I, once I let go a bit of the I amness about it, with its embarrassment and I shouldn't be this way, now can I be with that? And then what's needed from that? What's, what's really needed at that place? And so bringing quality of direct attention onto the uh, place where it hurts. It feels uncomfortable. <coughs> and the benefit of developing mindfulness in the body is that that gives you a very specific, not abstract mind, if you know, is, is non locatable. You see what I mean? It's a, it's a generalized, non locatable experience. I don't know where my mind is, actually. In fact, in, in, you know, depending on what school of Buddhism you follow, you can have no mind at all, or one mind, or many minds, you know, like, uh, depending on how you look at it, because there isn't really such a thing. Um, you know, there, there is this uh, experience of mentality, which has no particular location. It's located, say, in mental states, like 
you know, it's a fearful mind or a happy mind. It's got a particular specific base. So that makes it very difficult to really, you know, bring attention specifically onto it because, the, you know, um, you can only bring attention specifically onto the feeling, the quality of the feeling. And then using, um, by developing that, focusing attention onto sensations and energies in the body, you very much heighten the ability to do that. And also, you're able to see the correspondence between experience that seems to be psychological and its counterpart, is its physical quality. So it makes it very much more this. And when the Buddha himself talked about, you know, dealing with some of these difficulties, saying he notices, you notice how a particular thing arises dependent upon eye contact, or dependent upon tasting something. It always brings it down to specific things. Because if we don't do that, where it goes to is, it's happening to me, which is a non-specific, non-locatable, universal, proliferating experience. But we say, oh, it's just happening to the ear, or the skin, or the bone. It's dependent upon that. Well, it's dependent on remembering something that's been seen, heard, touched. Then we've got more specific location, and we can just recognize this is it's just this much. And that that so attention keeps things in perspective. It 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 put it prevents the proliferation of um, these things into the overall sense of myself which is the whole aim of it. Now attention, sometimes um, we use that, it's quite a uh, cool thing, it's quite a, it has to be quite firm to hold, you know, to, to stop you know, the proliferations of the, of the chitta. And in developing attention to to resist or to go against the way that the chitta produces moods and drives and so forth, we use the kind of quality of discipline, which means like sitting, walking, um, standing, meditation. You try to do this for half an hour or an hour, and one develops that sense of discipline, so that you can you know more or less any time the mind can think of some other thing that should be happening, we say, no, we'll do this. And maybe we don't feel like it, but we do it anyway. Uh, maybe we can think of a better way to do it, but we do it this way anyway. So you're using that as a way of checking the initial uh, reactiveness of the mind. Um, um, so checking things like, um, you know, when everything else fails, we go to sleep, which is very often happens in meditation. It's falling off. Because when there's nothing interesting or enjoyable to do, then the only escape is to nod off and go to sleep. But then, you know, just putting attention into, you know, holding the body up, being with the body with its, with those particular energies moving around it, the wish to sleep, the drowsiness, the sense desire. Uh, so attention can be is to be quite a, a firm thing, and developing that in in practice is really what takes one uh, deeper. So because if we we can heighten sensitivity to be till the point when one becomes so extremely sensitive, and you know all ca- so many different kinds of tonal qualities of atmospherics and moods and spaces uh, this that and the other um, that it, it it feeds into 
the preference-seeking mind, which always thinks feels somewhere better, other than it should, than it is, the way it should be. So we we go against that. Any moment, what's preventing me from being here? And how real is that? That's the firmness of attention. It checks us, it catches us. Sometimes it's just, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to have to put forth energy. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do something that's dirty or messy or smelly or inconvenient. You know, I, don't want to, I don't want to have to rise up and change gear. I want to just kind of coast. I'm in a nice mood right now. I don't want to have to break that. These kinds of things. But we also have to remember that, that attention uh, has, it's, has a very soft side to it, which is attention generates space. When you check, when you use attention to check the push of mood in the right way, the mood lets go, it disappears, and what's left is quiet presence. Now if we just, if we use attention checking things as if we disapprove of our moves and feelings and desires and fears, then you don't get that. You, instead you get left behind the sense of resentment or frustration or shame that's left there. If attention is just purely used as attention, just like a question, what's wrong, what's, what's, what do you need here? What's really, what's right here, what's wrong here, what's really needed here? And, oh. and then you feel the, re- the reaction or the drive is checked. It's something you can then drop back into finding a balance in the present moment. Oh, actually when I really come into the present moment, it's, it's all right. It's not what I want, but it's all right. It's not, um, can't be mine, but it's all right. It isn't something that I have a particular take on. It's not something that should be or shouldn't be, it's just what is. Hmm. And uh, it isn't something that's, this, that's operating in terms of my sense of self. It's just something, it's just free. So this particular space opens up and if we so if we use attention letting that space open where these outflows stop perhaps momentarily or checked momentarily and you begin to feel within this very present moment walking, standing, sitting, with no sense of mine about it, no sense of the way it should be about it, no sense of myself about it. It's free. Now it's not something that's, um, you know, it has, because it's because it's free, it has no consequence, no precedent. It's not something that says, "And now, this means that da 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 da." Because that again, that that's that's going to be me, mine, and myself, isn't it? It's just, oh, the problem has ended. The struggle has ended. It's stopped, and mm, it's all right. That's, you know, now, now very, what we, what we might imagine that, that, you know, something like the ending of suffering would be trumpets playing, angels appearing, you know, fantastic ecstatic feelings rushing through the system, profound knowledge, you know, boggling the brain, rather than, oh, it's all right. 
<laughs> That's why it's a subtle thing. Because it, it doesn't, you know, our normal ways of conceiving things, we imagine it would be disembodied, you know, um, something out there, something away from here, something of a different realm or dimension, something with different qualities of feeling in it, something where I would feel incredibly empowered, you know, and then I would, I would be able to have all kinds of views about the way things should be. But actually it's the ending of views, the ending of the idea and the conceit I am, and the ending of having anything. Just think, well, you know, like, do you really have anything? Can you go to the to the place in you that knows you don't have anything? Do you have anything? Does anybody here have anything? <laughs> so, well, you know, you haven't got a, you haven't really got a car. You haven't really got a house. You know, you're kind of there for a while, but they come and go their own way. You haven't really got a job because you, you know, that comes and goes, isn't it? And then now. Actually, we can start thinking, well, I'm not a get a little bit rattled about that, but, you know, just going to the sense of not having anything and having the sense of not having anything. You see what I mean? That's really abiding in that. That's, that's, that's free. Now, you know, when we try to reject the sense of not having anything, that's called insecurity. I should have something, but I haven't got it. I should have something. And then, then that's insecurity, isn't it? But right now I'm not having anything. Mm. And not having a view. No, should be, shouldn't be. You know, well, that's stupid. I mean, I don't know what to do. But uh, just, just f- sensing it. What it's like when it, it's like that. You know the rights and the proper and the fair and the convenient and the and the this that and the other all stop. <coughs> and not having this incredible thing, this self, this autonomous ghost that you're trying to satisfy and stuff with something other to make it feel happy. Would be like just to be experiencing a body with its trembling and its warmth and its pulses, mm. its energy. It's just that, mm. and then seeing things and experiencing light coming in and, and that, and hearing things, without, you know, adding all that to it. It's quite wonderful actually, because uh, because although we don't have anything, things still happen and the when one is actually the quality of what occurs is brighter more wonderful more amusing more poignant more evocative of compassion much brighter than when it's all encrusted over with history and futures and so on. So this is something that you know, in, in this conventional world where we have to play along yeah. to find that you can play the me-mine thing much more adroitly when you're not trapped in it. You can be somebody and have things when you actually know you don't have anything. Because then you're not welded to it, you're not chained to it, you can kind of play with it a little bit more, you can be lighter and feel freer so it's very much you know, not disregarding social conventions so much as finding a place where they're known really as that, rather than as representations of unresolved uh, fear uh, disconnection uh, loneliness, loss when we found a place where it's free, connected, present, then we can.
play with these things you can, and you can use them skillfully rather than compulsively Thank mm-hmm. you.